This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Time now to discuss all things European football, and joining us direct from the UK is Chris Coles from the BBC. Chris, thanks very much for your time once again. Hello, David. Good to be with you. Pleasure as always. Now, the Champions League, before we get into the EPL more specifically, we've had a lot of Champions League action during the week, and it's fair to say, particularly in some of the latter matches, plenty of high scoring. Liverpool getting the job done over AC Milan 3-2. Man City scored six goals in their victory, and Manchester United were, I guess, a main casualty in terms of an upset. Yeah, there was lots of intrigue across the, the opening group games of, of the Champions League and actually not just the British clubs there. There were some big clubs that really struggled and actually one of the standout results was Club Bruges won, Paris Saint-Germain won, PSG mm. with Neymar and Mbappe and Messi struggling to beat one of the, the, the lowly teams in the Champions League. But yes, you're right, it, it, it's, it's always quite an interesting dynamic the first few games of the Champions League and for the British clubs, they're in tough groups. Liverpool have a really tough group. AC Milan, Atletico Madrid and Porto. Now, that is undoubtedly difficult. So for a, for a long time at Anfield, when Liverpool were trailing by two goals to one, there was, there was real concern. Clearly, when you play so many games in the Champions League in the group stage, if you lose the first game, there's, there's not too much of a, an issue. It just means you probably have to go away from home and, and win. And we all know going away to Atletico and away to Milan, even Porto, not easy. So Liverpool to come through that game uh, is is very big. Uh, Mo Salah right in the heart of, of things again. Jordan Henderson scored a, a wonderful goal, but it was just a really good game to watch and the kind of game that we missed last season when everything was behind closed doors and Champions League nights at Anfield in particular are always very, very special occasions and it was the same uh, the other night. Uh, yet yeah, Manchester City 6, Leipzig 3 is such a Manchester City result, isn't it? They always <laughs> seem to throw in one of these score lines. They, 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 they score at will, but they, they, they concede some, some goals that you think, how have you managed to, to, to do that when you're in so much command and so much control of the game? Um, and, and yeah, they, they looked, well, they were never really troubled, and, and, and Leipzig were, were game and they, they, they play very well, but clearly were no match for, for Manchester City. Jack Grealish got his first Champions League goal, really good goal as well um, and City of course will target the Champions League as being one of their main priorities having got so close last season losing to to the, the winners Chelsea who, who got their campaign off to a decent start beating Zenit St. Petersburg so yeah lots of lots of interest and, and lots of heavyweight games as well eyes on Real Madrid who beat Inter Milan 1-0 uh, in Milan we've mentioned Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Dortmund saw Besiktas in, in Turkey. Uh, so, yeah, an interesting start to the Champions League. And, and sometimes, Dane, in the group stages can be quite 
I wouldn't say dull, but foregone conclusions mostly because of the big sides. I'm not sure it will be this time around. I think there will be some really, really interesting fixtures to come. Well, on that basis, I mean, a number of these English teams are playing in the EPL this weekend. I know a lot of these players are used to it and they're used to a condensed, heavy workload, but will it have an impact ahead of the EPL matches this weekend considering they've played intense, relatively intense brands of football uh, during the week of the Champions League? I, I think we, we might, might with some teams, certainly see uh, the, the squad rotation in, in full swing. And if you're Manchester City, when you have such a dearth of talent, you can put out pretty much strong teams, whatever competition you're in, even if you make 11 changes from game <laughs> to game. And for Manchester City, they have their big players returning. So that, that the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, who missed the start of the season, uh, Phil Foden as well, others as well, uh, they all, well, certainly De Bruyne and, and Phil Foden, started last night's game. Um, will they be, or certainly De Bruyne, I think, I think Foden came on, yes, in fact, Foden replaced De Bruyne. So will they be fit enough for, for the weekend's game? Maybe not. Pep Guardiola loves rotating anyway, so I think it's safe to say that the majority of the starting eleven probably won't play uh, in their next game. And, and such is the, the, the strength and depth that Manchester City have. There'll be there'll be absolutely no concerns that they can put out a strong team. Liverpool may be slightly different because that they're they're without a couple of, of players and, and predominantly no Roberto Firmino. So you'd think the front three of Diego Jota, Mo Salah, and Sadio Mane uh, will have to play. And, and, yeah, managers often get a little bit worried at this stage of the season when the Champions League rolls back around. But because of the strength of all of these sides, all of the British sides in the Champions League, all the English sides, when you look at Manchester City and Chelsea uh, and, and Manchester United, you're looking at teams that have so much strength in depth that I think it wouldn't be surprising to see a couple of tweaks in the Premier League. If they can get through the Champions League first three or four games by winning plenty, then, of course, they can start resting players in the Champions League for the Premier League. Um, and the other thing, finally, thrown to the mix, yes, it is still early in the season, so I suspect we won't be seeing too many changes. It's perhaps nearer Christmas when the fixture list does get a little bit busier that we might see lots of changes. But, of course, that depends on the state of the Premier League and also the, the state of, of the Champions League groups as well. Speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC, let's turn our attention to this weekend's EPL matches. Newcastle take on Leeds to kick off the round of matches, if you like, on Saturday morning Australian time. And these two sides, pretty keen for atonement, I think it's fair to say, because both suffered three goal defeats in the Premier League's return from the international break. Uh, Of course, Newcastle got defeated by Manchester United as a basis of Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford. So there's a lot to make up for there. Who's Mm -hmm. going to be the greater form of redemption out of these two. Yeah, interesting game, this. And and Newcastle, actually, I thought Newcastle played pretty well against Manchester United and didn't really do a great deal wrong. You look at the scoreline and think, well, they lost 4-1. So how does that work out? But they were in the game for long periods. And in fact, they were level at 1-1 for such a long time. Ronaldo's goal came on the stroke of half-time when it looked like Newcastle were holding United at ease, actually. And Manchester United didn't really create the chances to to worry Newcastle. So I'm sure Steve Bruce, the Newcastle manager, was quite happy until Ronaldo got that goal. And then Javi Manquillo actually equalised 11 minutes after half-time. And it wasn't then until Ronaldo, six minutes later, got United back in front. And then a couple of late goals, Fernandes and and Lingard. Lingard's goal was was wonderful and uh, not much that Freddie Woodman in the Newcastle goal could do. So I don't think Steve Bruce would be unhappy. Well, of course, he'll be unhappy at losing, but he, he won't be completely unsatisfied with the way they played. And if they, if they take large parts of, of the way they performed against Manchester United into their home game against Leeds, then I think he will fancy his chances. But I think Leeds will start as favourite. 
They haven't won in the Premier League so far this season. Two draws, two defeats. Newcastle, a, a replica. Uh, so, sorry, one draw and, and, and three defeats for Newcastle. So they're, they're quite close in the table in these early stages. And Leeds will start as favourites because in their games, they, they've played pretty well. Um, and they played some big teams. They lost to Manchester United first game of the season. They lost to Liverpool, that 3-0 defeat you were talking about. But they still seem to be playing with the same energy and the same intensity that we always associate with Marcelo Bielsa's side. Uh, Rafinha has started the season pretty well. There's, there's lots of talk of, of, of him being a key member of, of the Leeds side. Uh, Patrick Bamford still working very hard and having plenty of touches inside the penalty area. They're still creating plenty of, of opportunities. So I don't think Leeds will be too concerned with the way they started the season. It is the second season for Leeds, and sometimes that is associated with struggles. But I think one thing to consider is that Leeds, in their first season, didn't have the Ellen Road crowd. They do now, and that will make a huge difference. For the fans, it's like this is their first team, their first season back in the Premier League, because, of course, they didn't see them last time. Uh, this is at St. James's Park, another vociferous atmosphere. It just has the makings of a good game, actually. It's Friday night in the UK, our time, and, and I think it'll be a great atmosphere. Leeds fans will travel in numbers and, and let's hope for a, a good game of football. And when Leeds are in town, it always is because that's the way Marcelo Bielsa plays. But I think if you were looking for if you were looking for a, a winner in that one, I think Leeds would be favourite. Chris Coles joining us from the BBC. Wolves take on Brentford. I guess this isn't really amongst the blockbusters of the weekend, but it'll be interesting to see how the dynamics of this game come about because they're both pretty resolute defensively, but they haven't scored a lot either of these two sides. I think there's a combined total of five goals over eight matches. So could this be a dour defensive struggle? Well, certainly the way Wolves have started, and if you speak to any Wolves fan, they'll say we should have scored so many more goals. New manager in, in Bruno Lager, who's, who's come in, he, he replaced Nuno Espirito Santos, uh, Santo, uh, who left to Spurs last season, although left Wolves and then joined Spurs. And Bruno Larger comes in with not too much of a reputation. However, he has Wolves playing some very, very good football. And they have been unlucky not to score more goals. With Adama Traore, they've, they've clearly got someone who is capable of, of unlocking defences because of his pace. In Raul Jimenez, they've got a striker who, it, it seems to me, is still just working his way back up to, to prime Raul Jimenez. He obviously suffered that horrendous concussion injury last season uh, and we did wonder whether we'd see him playing football again because of, of the severity of it but it's great to see him back he's getting in all the right positions I think there's a stat during the rounds where he's had more touches or more shots than than most players in the Premier League so far this season so that bodes well it means they're getting the ball to him and he's in the right place to to put the chances away it just needs a game to fall Wolves way and I'm sure they'll be fine they too will point to certain teams that they've played and thought, well, actually, we've come up against decent sides. They lost 1-0 to Spurs. Uh, they lost 1-0 to Manchester United. And their one win came last week against Watford uh, by two goals to nil. And even though one of their goals was an own goal, it just felt that was the kickstart they needed to, to really get going. So they'll certainly fancy their chances. As I say, if they can get Jimenez involved and get the ball to him quickly and in good opportunities or in good space, I'm sure he'll start scoring plenty of goals. And as for the new boys, Brentford, yeah, great start to the season, wasn't it? They beat Arsenal 2-0. Um, lots of talk about Ivan Tony and how he will adapt to life in the Premier League. It was so good last season in the Championship. And it, it, it's always likely to be tough for Brentford because Thomas Frank, like Marcelo Bielsa in many ways, does like to play mm. this very energetic game. And they move the ball around so well that the passing is, is excellent. But the question marks would be on, on how 
safe their defence is. And you looked at their fixtures so far, and I think up until their last game against Brighton, you'd have thought, yeah, they've started the season pretty well. They beat Arsenal first game of the season. They've got a couple of draws against Palace and Villa away from home. And then it's the home game against Brighton. Now, normally you'd say, great chance for three points. Graham Potter's Brighton has started the season brilliantly. To be fair, they only won the game right at the death. And Leandro Trossard scored in, in, well, it was almost the 90th minute, I think. So that was a blow for Brentford. But that won't, that won't um, stop their way of playing. They certainly won't go to Molyneux with a, with, with a lack of confidence. They'll, 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 they're fully uh, committed to competing with these sides. And if you're Thomas Frank, you're looking at Wolves away and thinking, good chance to, to get some points against a team still finding their feet under Bruno Larger. Um, I suspect this will be will be a close game, um, and and you're right. It might not be one of the the standout fixtures of the of the season so far, but I think there's there's plenty of intrigue around it. So I think it should still be an interesting watch. Chris Coles from the BBC joining us. Burnley take on Arsenal, and the Gutters finally broke through for that elusive goal when they defeated Norwich. Mm last week and they've got the likes of Thomas Party and Ben White ready to really embed themselves into the lineup. So you get the sense the lineup for the Gunners will be a lot stronger than what we saw last month. Uh, we won't overreact though and say they're going to be in the race for the title, but could they try and establish now a foundation to at least embed themselves within the middle of the table? Because they're coming up against Burnley, who I guess are one of the lowly sides thus far. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and you're right, that, that victory over Norwich was massive for Mikel Arteta, who was coming under huge pressure. He was already under a little bit of pressure following last season when, when Arsenal didn't really get going, then throw in a summer of, of, of quite severe spending when they, they, they did bring in quite a few players for quite a lot of money, but no real household names. And as mentioned last time we spoke, Damien, the problem there is Arsenal fans looked at the business that, say, Manchester United have done with Rafael Varane, Jadon Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, the business Chelsea have done with Romelu Lukaku, and you look at the business Arsenal have done and you don't see any household names there. And if you're Arsenal and you're, you're certainly the fa- a fan of Arsenal and looking at the money spent and thinking, well, where's our Cristiano Ronaldo? Where's our Romelu yeah. Lukaku? You're a little bit concerned. And then especially when you throw in the start of the season, they lose 2-0 first game of the season to Brentford, lose 2-0 to a, 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 a Chelsea with Lukaku who played ever so well. Then they get tonked 5-0 by Manchester City. So you've conceded nine goals. You've not scored any. Yeah, you can see why alarm bells are ringing. They beat Norwich 1-0. They played well, to be honest. It could have been more than one, and Norwich will point to the fact they held them. But actually, you know, Arsenal, you looked at the, the, the efforts they had. I think they had 20 shots and seven of them on target, and they did play pretty well. And you've mentioned the players that are coming back, and, and, and Ben White establishing himself in, in the centre of that defence. And, uh, and you're right, Thomas Partey, who came on for the final half hour against Norwich. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe as well, another key player. And if they can get... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang back to the kind of form that we know he possesses, then you would expect Arsenal to rise up the table. Burnley away, though, traditionally, Damien, as we know, is the kind of fixture that Arsenal have struggled with. Arsenal have struggled to shake off, really, since the Arsene Wenger days, the the stereotype of being a nice football team hmm. and not able to mix it with the slightly more attritional football that, that the likes of Burnley play. So if you're Sean Dyche, you know you're, you're setting up to, to very much firstly counter Arsenal but really to get into them and, and get the ball long to the likes of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes to, to really uh, you know, stifle Arsenal's way of playing so this won't be easy and I, I think Arsenal right now, if you Mikel Arteta might even accept the draw just to try and get some momentum going, it's then the North London derby and we know anything can happen then then follow a run of fixtures that I think they will quite like, Brighton, Palace, Aston Villa, there's Watford on the horizon, Newcastle as well, so I think Mikel Arteta just needs some momentum now 
some results coming his way just so he can settle that, that new side and also get the pressure away from his back. As for Burnley, yeah, it, it, Sean Dyche, incidentally, until you've seen, they've signed a new long-term contract yep. in, in the last 24 hours, so, so a four-year deal for Dyche, which shows the faith that Burnley have in him, shows that they like what he's doing with a very, very shoestring budget, as we know. Difficult start to the season for them. They, they've picked up just one point, a draw against Leeds. They were beaten by Everton on, on Monday night, our time despite taking the lead, but didn't really defend as well as they normally do. And Everton won quite comfortably in the end. Same old story for Burnley. They don't score enough goals. And it will all be about, can they keep enough clean sheets to keep their head above water? With Sean Dyche, every chance of, of doing that, he's, I think he's just praying for some support in the transfer window to get some more players, to get some more players that score more goals. And then he might be able to, to, to rise Burnley up the table and, and maybe push for the top half. But certainly as far as Burnley are concerned at the moment, it is trying to find that first win of the season. And don't write them off against Arsenal. As mentioned, you, you look at the odds. Arsenal, yes, they're favourites, but they're evens, which tells you that the bookies aren't sure. And the bookies are normally quite good at this sort of thing. Mm. So I think that'll be a quite a, uh, a competitive game. Chris Coles discussing the English Premier League from the BBC. We've got Liverpool facing off against Crystal Palace at Anfield. And obviously, Palace, they were the first team to take points off Tottenham this season. And they recorded their first victory in the process for new boss Patrick Vieira. Could they pull it off against Liverpool? Do you think it's interesting Liverpool have won by an aggregate score in their last three meetings over Palace, 13-0? Yes. There are certain teams, aren't there, uh, that, yeah. that teams just enjoy playing against. And, yeah, if you're Liverpool, Crystal Palace is the team that you really enjoy playing against. So I, I think when you look at, at this fixture and Liverpool, who have undoubtedly started the season well, they're unbeaten in all competitions. In fact, they've, they've won four of the five games they've played in all competitions when you throw in that victory over Milan yesterday or a couple of nights ago and uh, the one draw they got was a very creditable draw against Chelsea they look back to the kind of team they were when they won the Premier League so convincingly a couple of years ago clearly having Virgil van Dijk back in the defence helps so they look much more assured at the back Trent Alexander-Arnold as far as he's concerned went through a little bit of a dry spell back end of last season but looks right on top form again his, his stats when it comes to assisting and scoring are right up there for a defender. He's a great asset. And obviously the front three. And now you call them front four, Damien, because it's yeah. not just Firmino, Mane and Salah. You've got to throw in Jota there too, especially as Firmino, as mentioned, is injured. So Jota will almost certainly start again against Crystal Palace. And, and Liverpool look a, a formidable team once again. Crystal Palace, yeah, and, and, and we said last year that, that they were approaching a crossroads and did they stick with Roy Hodgson or would they go with someone new? They went with someone new and Patrick Vieira was their chosen man. I, I think they've, they've recruited well and, and they have a, a, a team that looks very, very engaging on paper. They've, they've got Conor Gallagher uh, from Chelsea who's had a couple of decent loan spells. He looks a, a very, very good player. Jockey Manderson, who they've got, from Fulham, had a very good season in the Premier League despite Fulham being relegated. Mark Gooey on loan for, uh, sorry, signed permanently from Chelsea for around £20 million. Another one who had a really good season last season with Swansea in the Championship. They have a team that, that looks really competitive on paper and actually really uh, the dynamic of it and the youthful look of it. You think they're going to trouble some teams and clearly they did trouble Spurs in that 3-0 victory over Tottenham at, at Selhurst Park, albeit as mentioned Tanganga sending off did change the dynamic of that game. Mm. I don't give them much up against Liverpool just because of the way Liverpool are playing. But certainly if you're Patrick Vieira, I think Roy Hodgson of old might have set the team up to, to, to be solid and defend and make sure that Liverpool don't have free reign. But I think Patrick Vieira, that's not the way he plays. That's not really in his nature. So he will give it a go. 
And those teams can trouble Liverpool, no question. You look at, at Leeds back end of or beginning of last season when it was 4-3 Liverpool. If you attack Liverpool and get at them, as Milan showed as well the other day, they are fallible and they do have tendencies to switch off and, and, and you can get at them. So Palace will hope they can catch Liverpool on an off day. But given the four Liverpool showing and, as you say, the previous record, Liverpool against Palace, and Liverpool will be well aware of it. Palace will be well aware of it. It's difficult to look beyond a, a home win for that one. Given the depth of talent in Manchester City's squad, is it a foregone conclusion they'll beat Southampton? Um, well, yes, I, I think. <laughs> um, but with the caveat that we know that this is the Premier League, yes. it's football, and foregone conclusions don't really exist. However, yeah, you're looking at this as a as a home win when you, you think of the way Manchester City operate and, and the way they've, they've, they've kicked into gear. They, they, they lost the first two games of the season, the Community Shield, um, which doesn't really count. That's pretty much a glorified friendly against <laughs> Leicester. But then losing to Tottenham was, was a bit of a shock to the system. Since then, they put five past Norwich, five past Arsenal. They beat Leicester. And that was a really important result, I think, because I think that result went under the radar because of Cristiano Ronaldo's return at Manchester United. Um, and... Manchester City beating a really good Leicester team by a goal to nil with some standout performers from players that haven't really shone in recent months or certainly back end of last season. Bernardo Silva, who got the goal, was excellent. You're thinking, well, hang on a minute. If the, if the fringe players that were allegedly a little bit unhappy with the way that Manchester City were planning on going this season, so Raheem Sterling, um, Bernardo Silva, which is, it seems ludicrous to even consider these are fringe players, but there were rumours that maybe they'd be looking for moves elsewhere if the likes of Phil Foden gets more game time, Jack Grealish gets more game time, having just signed for £100 million. So the strength that Pep Guardiola's side have on the back of, of four wins in a row, as I say, five against Norwich, five against Arsenal, six against Leipzig in the Champions League, you do fear for a Southampton side that, as we know, sadly for them, um, have been on the wrong end of some horrendous results. And I think we remember that the 9 nil against Manchester United, the 9 nil against all the 8, was it 8 or 9 against Leicester recently as well, a couple of seasons ago. Um, so Southampton will hope they're not running into that. However, they've looked better defensively. They've got a 0-0 draw against West Ham earlier, 2-2 against Newcastle, and they put 8 past Newport County in the in the League Cup. Uh, they've done okay, Ralph Harsenhutl's side, and they've, they've ticked along and they're still coming to terms with losing Danny Ings, who went to Aston Villa, clearly a striker who is relied on at, at Southampton. But I think they're just finding their feet. However, yeah, I, I, there won't be too many that, that whack Southampton on the accumulator this weekend. Now, Norwich v Watford, not necessarily the most eye-catching game. It could be an early season relegation six-pointer, actually. It's hard to really, in my view, gain a comprehensive tip here, but Watford did win both meetings in the championship last season. They've taken the last four all up. So does that count for anything? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And whenever the, the, the promoted clubs meet each other, especially early on in the season, there does seem added emphasis on getting that victory because it's widely assumed that the promoted teams will be battling at the bottom end of the Premier League. And, and that's sadly just the way it is. The, the disparity between the leagues now is huge because of the money spent in the Premier League that quite often you see, I mean, Norwich is the perfect example. You'll see them come up and you'll see them go down. You'll see them come up and you'll see them go down um, because they, they, they just don't have the ability to compete in the Premier League with the big spenders. So when you play, as they are doing this weekend, Watford, who did come up with them, yes, you're looking at clearly, can we lay down a marker here? Can we get a victory over a relegation rival? It, the six-point cliche is, is not applicable here, of course, because it's way early in the season. 
but you do think that it can be results against teams you are expected to beat that can define a season. So for this, for Norwich, yeah, this will be seen as big. And it doesn't help when you've lost every game in the league so far this season. Norwich, again, like many others, will point to the teams that they have played. And actually for Norwich, every game they've played, they have been underdogs. When you start against Liverpool and Manchester City, that is a, a start from hell. Then they get, they get Leicester, who clearly are a very good team, and then Arsenal. So there are four teams right there that are extremely difficult. Coming up are teams now that they'll think we can get something. Watford being the first one. Everton, Burnley, Brighton. All right, there's Chelsea in there, but Leeds, Brentford, Southampton, Wolves. This is the, the, the real time for, for Daniel Farker's side to push on. In those games, apart from being smashed by Manchester City, they, they've looked okay. You know, they were in the game against Leicester for long periods. They were holding Arsenal for long periods. It's about goals, as it always is with the promoted teams. And are there enough goals in the Norwich side to, to really try and, and, and pull away from the relegation zone and, and start, um, or, or at least try and stay in the Premier League? Lots of emphasis on, on Timo Pukki, of course, who scored plenty of goals last time around in the Premier League. Uh, as for Watford, they've started OK, actually. Beat Aston Villa first game of the season. Um, haven't picked up a point since then, losing to Brighton, Tottenham and Wolves. And Francisco Munez's side... I wouldn't say I had a surprise package in the championship last season, but didn't lose many of their players. So it was always felt that as long as they were relatively consistent in what, let's be honest, was quite a poor championship season last time, then they'd be back up in the Premier League and competing. And that's exactly what they are. I don't think great things are expected from them. I suspect they'll be battling relegation just like Norwich, which makes this game very, very important. And whoever wins will think, OK, now we've started. Now we can go on a run and, and try and build up some real momentum going into the the busy period uh, after the next international break. Aston Villa v Everton's always a striking matchup for me, Chris, over the years. And it's an interesting one because it seems like, based on some of the pundits' recommendations or predictions, they think Villa will win probably because they're at home. But I think Everton are the better side at this point, and I think they're a reasonable chance here. Uh, it's been a toss-up historically whenever these two sides meet. Who are you backing? Yeah, I think, and don't quote me on this. I think this is, this is the most. I think he actually is the most played top-flight fixture um, since yeah. records began. Aston Villa and Everton, and every time the fixture rolls around, you tend to see that that statistic. And and they do tend to be decent games. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. This because you look at the, at the league table, and Everton have started really well, just as they did last season under Carlo Ancelotti when he had them almost top of the league after a brilliant start. Then they faded away, and they've started this season under Rafa Benitez very, very impressively. I think Rafa had to start that way because of the, the, the obvious links to Liverpool. And when he arrived at Everton, obviously Everton fans were a little bit perturbed, I think, by a, a Liverpool legend now coming across to Everton. But um, the, yeah. the owner, the Everton owner, has a, has a penchant for high-profile managers. It's why Ancelotti arrived and it's why Benitez is here. However, I think he's probably winning the doubters around quite quick because of the start they have made to the season. Now, just as we've mentioned the teams that, for instance, Norwich have played, and you think, well, they're expected to lose all of their games. Everton have had quite a tame start to the season, I think it's fair to say. Southampton, Leeds, Brighton and Burnley. Now, that is not the scariest of starts for any team. And for an Everton team that it still has quality, I think you'd have taken that start. And clearly, they've, they've started the way that Benitez would want, beating Southampton, beating uh, Brighton, uh, beating Burnley on uh, on Monday, and still with a with a side that you, you really like the look of. Uh, Damari Gray, who was a really bright prospect when he moved from Birmingham to Leicester, didn't really quite do it at Leicester, 
Um, then went across to Leverkusen in Germany, and Everton had brought him back for something like 1.7 million, Damien. I mean, that yeah. that is nothing. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, that was quite a significant outlay, but now, given some of the, the, the fees bandied about, that is absolute pocket change. Yeah. And he started the season really well, scoring goals. Uh, Richarlison, clearly a dangerous player. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is injured at the moment, so that's a blow. But when he's back, they've got an England striker and a good goal scorer. Throwing Andros Townsend, the creativity that he's shown. He started the season well. We eulogised last season, didn't we, about the defensive ability of Alan, the former Napoli midfielder, and Abdoulaye Decore. And the defence has always been pretty solid with Michael Keane and Jordan Pickford, the England goalkeeper, Luca Guinea, the French left-back. So it's a very good Everton team. Aston Villa, yeah, I do agree with you in this. It's difficult to place Villa at the moment because they... They strengthened really well last season. They brought in some excellent players in positions that you thought, yeah, they absolutely need to strengthen. But they lost Jack Grealish this summer. Now, clearly that's a massive blow for Villa because he was their talisman, their playmaker, but they're £100 million better off, so it was a no-brainer. Mm. And the players they brought in, you can see that's absolutely fair enough. Uh, Danny Ings in particular, someone who you think is going to score plenty of goals. Uh, they've, they've, they brought Ashley Young back to the club. OK, advancing years now, but still a still a, a shrewd operator at this level and they brought in uh, Leon Bailey as well from uh, from Bayer Leverkusen who uh, the Jamaican's forward who who comes with with great pedigree so they they've adjusted well and they they started okay their one win came against Newcastle they were beaten by Chelsea but played really well against Chelsea i think 3-0 absolutely flattered the Stamford Bridge side it should have been it should have been closer than that so I think Villa will have no problems this year. I expect they'll again be sniffing around that top 10 mark and try and push on. At Villa Park, which is always a great place to watch football, they will be backed by a very, very passionate home support. So I think this has the potential to be a really interesting game and a really good game of football. Two teams that like to play with the ball at feet, and that bodes well. I wouldn't like to pick a winner, though. I really wouldn't. <laughs> I think you're right. I think this, this is going to be a really difficult one to call. Speaking of difficult games, Brighton v Leicester all of a sudden shapes up as a, I wouldn't say a blockbuster, but close enough to it because Brighton have got off to an absolutely superb start to the Premier League season, probably under the radar in many respects. They've won three of their four matches, which is the same record as Man City and Tottenham, and they've defeated Burnley, Watford and Brentford, conceding just one goal. Leicester, they've done what they had to do. They defeated Norwich and Wolves, but they went down to West Ham and Man City. You just wonder when their attack will click. It seems inevitable it will at some point. Brighton continue their good form or not? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't put it past them. And the, the start they've made has surprised everyone. There's no doubt about that. Graham Potter is is admired in the game, the Brighton manager. Young English manager who, who learnt his trade in Scandinavia and was, was brought across by Swansea. Did really well in the championship with Swansea and, and Brighton then picked him up. And it, it, it was a funny old time for Brighton because they just sacked Chris Hewton, who did a really good job of not only promoting Brighton from the championship, but keeping them in the championship. And many felt he was harshly sacked, but Brighton wanted a, a more attractive style of football. And that's tough for Graham Potter because not only have you got to keep a team in the Premier League, you've got to play in a way that the owners want. And that's not always possible. And sometimes managers think, well, it's one or the other. You either want attractive football, but we could go down, or we're going to play attritional football and we stay up. So the fact Potter has managed to combine the two is very, very impressive. Goals was the issue last season. They, they didn't score enough goals and their, their front line, despite looking OK, um, you know, Neil Mopé didn't score as many as, as he really should have done. They've, they've got talented players in that front period, in that front section. So Leandro Trossard, who has, has started this, this season pretty well, um, there is potential there. But I don't think anyone anticipated their start. They beat Burnley, they beat Watford. 
um, and they've beaten Brentford. Again, you point to those teams and say, OK, there's nothing too scary yeah. there for them. But still, given Brighton last season, it, it's still impressive. Um, yeah, Leicester, you mentioned how teams will cope with European competition. Leicester are, are playing in the Europa League this week. They're playing against Napoli. Now, that is a really difficult game. And then they, they go in on Sunday away down at, at Brighton. Leicester, though, I think do have the, the capabilities of, of, of rotating now uh, at will and, and looking at the team that Leicester played against Napoli um, you know Jamie Vardy didn't start Patson Dacca started um, so you, you, you've got a bit of rotation there um, but I agree with you it, it feels like we're waiting for Leicester to really kick into gear uh, they beat Wolves first game of the season surprising loss away down at West Ham when they were booted off the park 4-1 West Ham won and, and they beat Norwich 2-1 Manchester City they lost 1-0 okay that's fine played well, actually, and could easily have got something from the game. So Leicester have, have started as, as you'd expect them to. Um, they just need a little bit more from some of their more creative players. So Jamie Vardy needs to find the net a bit more regularly. James Madison hasn't scored in an awfully long time now. And that'll really rile him because he's one that loves his stats. He loves to look at the goals he scored. Need to find a, a proper home for him. Um, and, and if they can get players like Harvey Barnes and, and Yuri Tillemans, uh, Wilfred and Deedy back to the level they were last season, then I expect they'll be right back up there challenging for the Champions League, maybe, maybe Europa League once again. As always with a club like Leicester, it's about how they balance Europa League commitments with Premier League commitments. Um, but yeah, I, I, they'll start as favourites against Brighton just because of historically the way both teams have operated the last couple of seasons. But you can't put a price on, on confidence, can you, Damien? And the way Brighton have started, they certainly won't fear that game against Leicester. Speaking with Chris Coles from the BBC, just two matches to go before the weekend's out. West Ham v Manchester United, and you just wonder whether the Ronaldo effect will burst or whether we'll see it again against uh, the Hammers. It'll be interesting. From the West Ham point of view, I guess their chances here have taken a huge hit with Mikhail Antonio receiving his second yellow card last weekend. So they've lost a fair amount of goal-scoring supply or their best goal-scoring threat as a result of that. Will it affect them deeply? Yeah, it's a big blow losing Mikel Antonio, no question. Uh, not just because of what he brings to, to West Ham, but the fact that he's he started the season brilliantly by by scoring so many goals. He's uh, he's up to, I think, three this season, maybe even four this season, before he got that uh, red card against Southampton. So he started really well. The fact that West Ham don't have him is, is, is understandably going to affect them. He is not suspended for European competition, and he actually scored in the Europa League against Dinamo Zagreb. So West Ham and David Moyes in particular, the West Ham manager, will be thinking, ah, oh, Mikhail, I could really have done with you for that game against Manchester United. So it does affect them. But the way West Ham are playing at the moment, you'd think they still have confidence of, of upsetting Manchester United. And, and certainly the players that they have moving forward, and, and you look at the players that, that might come in, um, Sai Ben-Rama has, has, has started really well. Uh, so too is, as, as Jared Bowen. Uh, Declan Rice is uh, Rolls-Royce in the centre of, of that midfield and, and Thomas Sutek is, is, is always capable of cropping up with a goal, especially from set pieces. Pablo Fornells has recently broken into the Spanish team. So he's full of confidence as well. I don't think it'll, it'll deter West Ham, but clearly when you lose your big focal point and your top scorer, that is, that is a blow, but they'll still give it their all at the London stadium. And you're right because of the way that West Ham have started and, and the way that David Moyes has got his team playing, especially last season when they did get themselves into the Europa League, you know, this is going to be a challenge for United. Throw in that David Moyes, I'm sure, would love to get one over his former employer. We know it didn't work out when David Moyes replaced Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, talk about the gig from hell 
trying to replace you know the greatest manager the Premier League has, has ever seen was always going to be difficult. So we'll see how that pans out. As at Manchester United, yeah, that that defeat to Young Boys in the Champions League was was a real shocker for them, considering that they looked in control when Ronaldo scored again. They lost Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who was sent off, and yes, they conceded in the 90th minute, but that certainly wasn't in the script. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's not going to panic. There are still plenty of, of games to go in the Champions League, um, and he'll look at the, the league form and think, well, we're playing well. Five scored against Leeds, uh, four scored against Newcastle. Uh, we beat Wolves away. This is another one of those tricky games, though, isn't it? That if you're not on it and you're not performing, then you could easily lose it or only come away with a draw. A lot feels like does depend on Ronaldo but he's started brilliantly scored twice against Newcastle scored against young boys will he continue his goal scoring form I think you'd be a brave man to bet against him because he's one of the greatest goal scorers this game has ever seen and throwing United strength in depth now when you've got Bruno Fernandes still playing well Paul Pogba um, Jesse Lingard will be keen I'm sure to, to, to play well against the team he was on loan at last season um and also, he made quite a bad mistake in that game against Young Boys, which led to the Swiss side's goal. So he might be keen to make up for that mistake. And, and in the back line, they're looking very strong with, with the likes of, of, of that Raphael Varane and Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw. So United will start as favourites, but by no means write West Ham off. And, and clearly, this is a team now in West Ham that have ambitions of really pushing on. And they'll give United a real game, I think. And just lastly, Chris, a big game to round out the weekend. Tottenham taking on Chelsea. A lot of attacking talent on both sides, although there could be the chance of an arm wrestle. If you have a look at the history of these two teams fighting against each other, they've always been tightly fought. Four of the last five Premier League meetings between these two have seen two or fewer goals scored. What's going to happen here? Yeah, well, uh, normally in this situation, Damon, I think I bow to your superior knowledge here because um, you'll be you'll be right across this fixture, uh, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it's Chelsea. Will, listen, Chelsea will start as favourites. Of course, they will. Uh, yeah. That's just the way it is currently because of the team that Chelsea have. They're the European champions. They've started this season well. They've got you know a ninety odd million pound striker in Robert Lukaku who has started really well. The, the strength and depth that Chelsea have is is quite frightening when you go through the team. Their defence, they can they can pretty much change at will. If you'd have said at the start of the summer that Ben Chilwell wouldn't have played a minute for Chelsea or barely any game time, you'd have been laughed at. Bear in mind that he was England's first choice left back, but now Marcus Alonso is performing really well. Uh, in their defence, they've got Rudiger and Christiansen and Thiago Silva, Rhys James. They've got quality all around the pitch, and that's even before you get to the, the threat up front with not just Lukaku. Uh, but Kai Havertz, who started really well, obviously cost a lot of money last season. Uh, Mason Mount is one of Chelsea's favourites at the moment. Frank Lampard loved him. Thomas Tuchel seems to really like him as well. Um, Hakim Ziyech has, has started this season well. You can go through the list. You only have to look at the bench sometimes that, that Chelsea have, and you think, goodness me, that could, make, that could make an incredible team for any Premier League side. When you look at the players that aren't getting in the team, and the fact that Thomas Tuchel is such a renowned manager, clearly has had great success with Chelsea winning the Champions League. So they will start as, as favourites. However, it is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and, and Nuno, who's had a, a fairly solid start to life as Spurs manager, hasn't he? That great win over Manchester City. Um, they beat Wolves, beat Watford. Yes, not scoring too many goals, but Nuno's team's never likely to do that. His Wolves success was built on, on defensive solidity. The, the shocker came obviously away at Palace, but Tanganga sending off did affect him. Eric Dyer started the season well. He went off with injury quite early on. So we'll see how that does affect Spurs. And, and they're playing in the Europa Conference League as well. In fact, they're, they're, their game finished 2-2 with French side Rennes, albeit Nuno, as anticipated, uh, made plenty of changes 
for that game. So the likes of Ndombele, who hasn't had much minutes, many minutes played, and, and Brian Keel played. Um, Harry Kane did start again for Spurs. I think for Harry Kane and for Nuno, it's getting him minutes and getting him back up to speed because he did miss part of pre-season during that protracted willy-won't-he move to Manchester City. But these games are always tight. You mentioned that stat at the start, Damien, and, and I don't think this will be different because the fans will be right up for it. Spurs players will be bang up for it as well. But it, it's so difficult to look beyond this Chelsea machine that seems so well lubricated at the moment. And everywhere you look, there's quality. So it'll be tough for Tottenham. But given the way they played against Manchester City, I think it probably will be a similar performance to that. Make sure you're defensively sound and try and hit Manchester City, possibly on the counter-attack. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But Chelsea have the players to, to counter that as well. So, uh, yeah, an interesting watch. But I, I would I would note Chelsea in front as favourites for that one. Well, Chris, really appreciate your time once again discussing all things European football, in particular the English Premier League. Enjoy the weekend's action. Cheers. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Damien, enjoyed it as always. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.